you know, initially I was like, oh, every clinician should attend this. And then I was like, every parent should learn about this. And then I was like, every human (laughs) should learn about this. I mean, it's so helpful in our relationships. Hello, welcome to The Seasoned RD, a podcast connecting newer professionals in the field of eating disorders to those of us who have been around for a while. I'm your host, Beth Harrell, a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor. And I'm Abby Brown, a registered dietitian who is newer to the field. I think of myself as a well-seasoned cast iron skillet with wisdom and experience, yet always ready for something new. And I think of myself as an Instapot with innovation and a fresh perspective. This podcast brings both to the table to share ingredients, recipes, and techniques of past and present so we can all be our best for the future. The kettle is heating up. The skillet is on simmer. So join us around the table for true professional nourishment. Abby, ready to stir the pot? Let's do it. The opening soundbite for this episode, I think, summarizes it all. And our guests from Empowered You will help us as professionals understand why learning to support parents and caregivers is the very best. You know, we ask those questions in this podcast about technology, paper books, number two pencil, keyboard. This really brings full circle for me because the professionals work in the back in the day was the parent support wasn't recognized. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of stigma and it was the parent's fault. So thankfully today, caregivers support is all the buzz. You heard about it last week's episode. You'll hear be hearing about it in another episode upcoming. So it tells me that you're going to want to listen in and follow this series. What this podcast is and is not, if we bring in medical, nutrition, and therapy professionals who share their passions, and that's to pique your interest in available modalities. This show is intended to inform and educate is not a substitute for the professional training and supervision required to specialize in the treatment of eating disorders, nor is it a substitute for medical, nutritional, or psychological advice from a professional or specialist. I do want to let you know if you enjoyed Molly Kellogg's episode on internal family systems. They have a workshop for dietitians beginning November 4th. So check her out on the web. Uh, We are here with, this is a first for us, Abby. We have a group with us with Empowered You. Yes. And we're so excited. I wish everybody could see our screen. It's full of beautiful faces (laughs) that we're just so excited to chat with. And so we have Jill Saki and we, she is the power, the, the brain power behind the program. And you can refer to her episode back in September of 2021. And we'll put a link in the show notes. We have Dr. Terry Fasaki on with us. Is that right? Did I say that right? Close. Terry Fasihi. Fasihi. Thank you so much. And then Brandy Powell. Unfortunately, Janice Poplack was not able to join us today. So if you listen to the episode of Jill Saki a year ago, she has the first ever residency for eating disorder dietitians. So the program we're talking about today is Empowered You and what that is. So let's just, let's just get started. Brandy, I'm going to start with you. How did you get into your field and then the field of eating disorders? Sure. So I was working as a registered dietitian in a hospital setting and I was doing med surge. And then I worked in an LTAC, which is long-term acute care clients that need hospitalization for about a month. 
So I really learned the value of working on teams, the wound care team, the ICU team. And then actually just kind of by chance, I had a friend that was working at the Miniger Clinic and she was moving out of state and said, you should come check out this job. It's really great. It's really interesting. It's mental health. I didn't know much about the Miniger Clinic at the time. I didn't know it was one of the top psychiatric hospitals in the world. I went there kind of naively and interviewed for the job and was very underqualified, but they hired me and I really valued the team there. Actually, that's when I met Dr. Fasihi and Janice Poplack, and we worked on the eating disorder program together. So up until that point, eating disorders really were not on my radar. I did minor in psychology just because I thought it was very interesting, but the idea of working in eating disorders was very intimidating to me because, you know, when I graduated in the early 2000s, I didn't learn much, if anything, about eating disorders, so I had a huge learning curve. But the team there was amazing. It was such a great place to learn, you know, in rounds and team meetings and conferences and reading. And, you know, they really took me under their wing and taught me a lot about eating disorders. So that was back in 2005. And I kind of had a knack for it and really became passionate about working with this population. And I credit a lot of that to the team that was around me. So it's really fun to be able to work with Terry and Janice again. And then Along the way, I met Jill and having another eating disorder dietitian to talk talk with was really great too. I know that our listeners can't see, but when you said, I, I got a knack for it, I'm seeing everyone nodding their heads like, yes, this is where you're meant to be, Brandy. <laughs> and we're so glad you're with us today. Thank you. Terry, Dr. Terry, how, how did you get into your field and then eating disorders? I'll try to keep it short. It was a bit of a roundabout journey. I was a journalist for about eight years, and I did a lot of mental health stories and features and became very interested. And so I decided to go back to school and study psychology, and I received my doctorate. And shortly after I received my doctorate, my family had a, a opportunity to go work in the UK for a while. So I, my first job after I got my doctorate was with the National Health Service in an eating disorders program. I was interested in women's mental health, and I was very shocked at how the majority, the vast majority of people suffering from eating disorders were women. And so I wanted to make that a focus. I had an opportunity to, to learn about Christopher Fairburn's model and also the Maudsley approach while I was there. And so when I came back to the U.S. three years later, I felt like I had some you know, new ideas that I wanted to use here. And I had heard of the Menninger Clinic. And, and when I came back to Houston, my goal was to work there. And I fortunately was able to work there and shortly thereafter joined the eating disorder program, which is where Brandy and I met and started working. And Janice. And so the three of us were a very tight-knit team starting in like 2004, right? And we've been working together off and on ever since. And this is a wonderful reunion to be starting Empowered You with Jill. And Jill and Brandy and I also worked for a partial hospitalization program that I started when Houston, when the Menninger Eating Disorder Program closed. Yeah, thank you for that. It is. Well, (laughs) I'm sure it could be longer because you, I mean, you just kind of cut that down really, really cleanly for us, but... There's a Menninger too in Topeka, Kansas, or there was one. And that I remember meeting different clinicians over the years talking about Menninger. So it's it 
it is one of the was one of the premier site or places. Is it still active in Texas? They actually moved from Topeka to Houston. Was it maybe fifteen years ago? Oh yeah, see, I've been ago, doing Darren? this a long so time. Long. Mm-hmm. Okay. 20 years ago. Okay. And then you mentioned the Maudsley and Christopher Fairburn. So that's part of what Empowered You is about is the family. That's all what it's about is the family-based. And Maudsley, for those of you who don't know, or I I mean, I'm going to, I may butcher this, but Maudsley is actually a hospital in London, but the Maudsley program is family-based treatment. That's how this, that it was studied So yeah, the Maudsley program is FBT, family-based treatment, and some people call it modified Maudsley or Maudsley, and then there's the manualized Maudsley or manualized FBT. So I just want to hear how it is in your program with Empowered You. How do you do family-based work? (laughs) Okay. Yes, it it can be confusing, the different sort of brands and and concept of what evidence-based treatment is, the first program to develop a family-focused treatment is the Maudsley Hospital's Maudsley approach. And even Eisler and, and many others started that in the 90s. And that's where I first was exposed to it. Janet Treasure, who many of you know, did a workshop there. I, I went for a few days as an NHS employee, and I was quite taken with her and also the approach and basically, that's how family-based treatment got started, because Daniel LaGrange trained there and came back to the U.S. and developed FBT with James Locke. So that's how the manualized treatment that we're familiar with here in the U.S. was developed and is line one treatment, according to the Academy for Eating Disorders. It has the most research behind it. So Jill and I had an opportunity to train with Evan Eisler at the... University of California in San Diego program with Dr. Eisler and Dr. K several years ago. We were working together in our partial program and wanting to find ways to get families best involved in their children's treatment. And so we did that workshop. And I think that probably, Jill, since we did that, we've been trying to get FBT to be a more prominent treatment here in Houston, where more people are doing it and it's more available to our community. And it's been challenging. And that's where this idea for the workshop came up. And I really would love Jill to tell her story of how she got us started doing this. (laughs) Thanks, Dr. Fasihi. We had a bit of a pause to to start with the answer of of what Dr. Fasihi just went through, because I feel like she so clearly talks about differentiations and how everything was started and how we went from Modsley to FBT to modified FBT, all that type of thing. So thank you for clarifying that. So, you know, I, I had training with Dr. Vasihi at UCSD and I was introduced to FBT from Dr. Vasihi and just loved it. It felt like it was very effective and I felt better at what I was doing. I felt the parents felt better. The kids struggled, of course, always having that transition to have the parents be in charge, yet, you know, reducing the recidivism rate of going back into treatment, it just was eye-opening to me. And these are my anecdotal, you know, experiences, yet the research shows pretty clearly that it's pretty effective when it's utilized well and, you know, introduced and the parents are trained. So I, I had that training with Dr. Fasihi and, you know, we 
in my private practice, that's a big focus of what I do when we have adolescents coming in. And so, of course, with the pandemic, when that hit, I have never seen so many people with anorexia come through my door when it opened back up. And so we literally called it pandemic anorexia. You know, it was just, I I couldn't even differentiate what was happening, (laughs) you know, uh, between each, each parent or each child that was coming in. They all seemed to look very similar. So we would always get mixed up about who we were working with. So as we're trying to implement family-based treatment in my practice, it, what I struggled with was number one, there's minimal clinicians to refer to that are alongside with the dietitian because the dietitian is really more supplemental, not the main person that is implementing family-based treatment, but also the amount of education and support the parents needed, or we didn't have the time in our practice to give we generally treat them one hour a week and, you know, they would want much longer appointment times. And, and I felt like I was doing way too much family work, really, you know, having the parents in there, educating them, et cetera. And I I was just felt out of my scope of practice. So I I kind of joke around, I was folding laundry and (laughs) kind of thinking on a Saturday, like what could be different here? And I had been talking to Brandy about like, how do we help these parents so that they feel a bit more empowered and supported. And so I remember calling her that day. I'm like, will you join me? Will you help me with this? And, you know, as we're chatting through it and kind of working through the programming and what it would look like, we're like, we have to have a therapist, obviously, and that needs to be Dr. Pasihi. And so, you know, we had to cajole her (laughs) into joining us a little bit, not necessarily, but, you know, it's, it's a big ordeal to ask someone to to join in in a, a program and actually develop something. So so after several meetings, we all kind of connected together, I think on a Saturday or Friday, and spent, I think, at least 10 hours going through what would this program look like. And it was wonderful just to have that team approach. And there's so many things that Brainy and I didn't even think about, of course, with Dr. Vasihi. And then Dr. Vasihi asked Janice Poplock to join in because of her expertise with family systems and as a social work, social worker. So I didn't get a chance to meet her until she joined with us and you know, she's, she's amazing as well. So that's kind of a, the gist of how empowered you got started about, about a year ago or so. And we're, we're just getting it off the ground. And it started folding laundry. <laughs> I do love that because you hear about things like in your sleep or it started in the garage on a, or on a napkin at a coffee shop. So I do know Jill, from working with her on some committee work that her brain doesn't stop. And I'm really grateful for what you provide for those in your area, but also outside of your area. So because you do some other things like supervision and you have a podcast that is everlasting. It's not, there's no new episodes coming out, but I'm going to tell you, I've referred people to it quite often. So back to Empowered You. Will you join me? It's the question. You know, you're pulling in Brandy and Terry and Janice. And so you said it's been a year. Have, do you have the program started yet? Or do you have clients in the program? So we ran a pilot in the fall. So we kind of took the summer to get organized last year. And we ran a pilot group in the fall. And then we've run some groups this year as well. So we, you know, we have run some groups with some families. We've learned a lot from that, as you can imagine. And we are hoping to start the group again this fall as well. So that's kind of where we are. Is it all in person or do you have virtual options as well? It's all virtual, actually. Yeah. 
So it's all virtual and we meet two days a week, two hours each time for four weeks. So about eight sessions total. And we have just the parents on virtually from five to seven in the evening. So after work, we work really hard to get both parents or if there's three or four parents, then, you know, we, we really want all the caregivers there, the primary caregivers, which, you know, sometimes our parents are step parents. Sometimes it could be, you know, a grandparent or a aunt or something like that. But we really work to have not just one parent there. Okay. Awesome. So and the virtual option seems to help with that. So it sounds like it started with the idea of helping in the Houston area, but it sounds like maybe you have parents working from across the country. Right. Right. Yeah. We we could work with people all over the country. There's definitely the potential for that. Okay. Awesome. And the emphasis is just with the parents. So you are not doing one-on-one treatment with their child as well? Correct. So we ask them to have medical clearance. We ask them to have their own outpatient treatment team, which some of, some of us may be on their team. Some of us may, you know, sometimes we're not, but we, they do have their own treatment team. So we're not necessarily treating the client. If that makes sense, the caregivers really are our clients. Gotcha. Okay. This sounds so neat. And y'all started with, or have worked in PHP in the past. And I know that you get a bit, or parents get a a taste of education there, but this sounds really in depth, exactly what is needed. I wish we could have like 12 more groups of you guys. That would be amazing. (laughs) So grateful for just your efforts and getting it, getting, doing the, the beta, doing the trial, all of the talking, all of the planning, and as with anything that Jill does, it's, I'm sure she's pulling in the right people to do this. So I want to take a a, a day in, or like a two-hour, what is it like? Parents log in, guardians, I don't know if you have guardians too, because when I worked at the children's hospital, whoever is in charge of that child, it may not, it may be a foster program, but kind of walk us through what it would be like. And for those listening, if there's any tips that you have of how you kind of stumbled onto what you do so that we can learn from you. This episode is brought to you by Beth Harrell Supervision. I have two group sessions a year, one from January to June, the second session from July to December. Those are full right now, but individual supervision can happen at any time, whether you are a medical provider, therapist, or dietitian. Then coming into the group after that is so powerful. If you're seeking certification as a an eating disorder specialist, I can definitely help you through the details of all of the requirements. Those who sign up for my supervision freebies are among the first to know when my groups will open up for the January through June cohort. The link is in the show notes. The freebies are monthly live short courses with different experts on a variety of topics that come up in supervision like growth charts, RFID, emotional care of the clinician, and more. I hope to see you there. I think I can run through uh, an example of, of a, a two-hour evening, and, and I do want to say that we do not see ourselves as the family-based treatment model, but rather as a supplement to enhance parents' ability to use their family-based treatment with their treatment team. And Dr. Locke and Dr. LaGrange are looking at intensive parent coaching, you know, additional support for families to make the 
treatment more effective for more people. So that's that's the idea of what we're doing. And so when we're with the parents, we're very much thinking about what do they need because they're they've been going through a lot. In fact, we talk about how traumatic it is to see your child suffering from this dangerous illness and feeling helpless, not knowing what to do. And so we talk a lot about that. We do a lot of processing, but then we start going with the skills. This is what the skills are. This is what you're going to be doing. We do some role plays. We practice. Brandy and Jill give them a lot of good nutritional information and guidance about medical issues that they should be aware with, how to talk to their doctors. So we give them a lot of foundational information that, as Jill said, you can't get one hour a week, you know, and you may not have time to read all the manuals. So we're really trying to condense the most important information into these programs and also give them an opportunity to talk to each other and see that they're not alone. That's what I was going to say is that sometimes just being in in community with others can be so healing. Otherwise, you're out on an island. You feel like you're just like that you've done something wrong and that you that this is all about you as well. I think it also helps the client know that struggling with the eating disorder, that they're not the problem, right? That it's a group concept where the parents, you know, it's, it's not about doing more as a parent as Dr. Delafrance talks about who developed emotion focused family therapy. It's about doing differently. (laughs) And so we use a lot of, we we discuss a lot of emotion focused family therapy in the, in the programming just to really help enhance you know, the challenges, the ups and downs that happen when you're attempting to try to refeed, even if the parent isn't completely in in charge of the food, even if it's more modified at times, it can be pretty powerful interventions and support. But I know when I had parents come in and you're trying to work with the child as well, my experience has been is that the parent here, just, just help him or her out, you know, like just, you know, fix her or him versus like, Hey, I need you in this session. And yet, what happens sometimes in that dynamic is the, you know, the child's overwhelmed, the parents overwhelmed, and it's hard to really hear or understand what's going on. And so the group is really meant to kind of slowing things down. We do a lot of getting ready for the program at the beginning with deep breathing and kind of some skills there so that they're really ready. Their brain's ready to hear some of that information and absorb it a lot differently. Whereas sometimes in session, when you're trying to meet with them, and a lot of times we don't have more than one hour a week to give, you know, they just don't, they don't see the importance of reading the manuals or watching videos, et cetera. They just, they, they don't understand it. And if they do, they're skimming through it going, okay, I got it. I got it. I got to get through this, (laughs) you know, and they're so anxious and all that. So that's really, it's about supporting the parents so that they can support their child differently. So you mentioned emotion focused family therapy and I, can you tell people that's one of my favorite modalities, tell people what that is. And is that breathing part of of that for the parents. Emotion-focused family therapy developed by Adele LaFrance and her colleagues is a way of helping parents learn how to validate and understand what their children are feeling in different situations. And it's uh, it's a skill that she calls advanced parenting. Basically, your child is struggling with their feelings, they need more support, and these are some tools that you can use. And it's it's so well organized. There are scripts. Parents can look at their own blocks. They can learn how to apologize in a therapeutic way about 
things, whether it's their fault or not, just to show that they understand how difficult things are for their child. And it's very healing for their child and also for the family system, you know, to, to really get into a place where they really can do the family-based treatment. So we, we introduce some of the fundamental concepts, you know, in, in uh, four weeks, we can't do the whole thing, but we do introduce the concepts. We practice with role plays and that usually gets them very interested in learning more. So Dr. Fasihi, do you have an example? When you say you'd role play, do you have a typical, like, do you show videos or do you, how do you show the parents what this can be like? Well, we run through a validation script, actually, and, and the, you know, and do the whole three stage process of supporting a child in a difficult situation. And we'll usually ask the parents to give us an example of a recent struggle, whether it was the child not being able to eat or having a very negative body image experience. And they write the script in the group. Everybody works on it together. And then they practice saying it. And usually one of us plays the child and says what the child has said. And then they practice the scripts and, and we keep working on it till they feel really comfortable. Like it's going to work. So powerful. Yes. So I am picturing, I always remembered working with parents. I don't do it as much anymore, but thinking about the Helen Keller, show movie where the family is sitting at the table and she is at this before Annie Solomon came and they Helen was just grabbing at people's plates and shoving it into her face and they let her do that it's enabling and Annie had to kind of pull her away but it affects the whole family and you mentioned the the family and so these role plays as they're doing it together I'm guessing can like they can add their own pieces into this role play. Yeah. And and if you've done the FFT training with Dr. LaFrance, that's how she teaches it too. So, you know, we have her wonderful example of how to, how to help people learn to do this. Yeah. And she provides that training for professionals several times a year, I think. Is it her that does it or does she have help? I know the three of us, this is Jill, the three of us and uh, have gone through the formal training by Dr. LaFrance. And I, I'm not at this point, I'm not exactly sure how many she offers personally, but I know she has a very, several that are highly trained as well. She might have added on additional trainings with that. So, yeah, but I, I wanted to add with the, the multifamily group, that's, that's how Terry and I learned it was UCSD was a multifamily approach. That's what they do there. And so when I was there, there were, you know, even outside of Dr. LaFrance, but just uh, family-based treatment concepts and multifamily approach, there was, you know, most of my training was (laughs) role-playing there. I've never done that type of role-playing. I I always laugh. I was the only dietitian of 30 therapists in that room (laughs) and one psychiatrist, but it was just so, I mean, everything we were doing was role-playing and just the essence of the importance of having multiple families in one room together that they're supported. It's another level of support. So it's, it's a beautiful process to see even in our group that we're seeing in a multifamily approach, doing emotion coaching, or just some of the education or processing or talking about difficult things that are happening in the home. Many, many tears are shed for sure in the group. I have seen some videos of a parent apology 
through Dr. LaFrance's work. And then this multifamily approach, I haven't really witnessed that in my own work or in other people's work. So I thank you for that. That's a new buzzword for me, Abby, is a multifamily approach. And I just saw the power in it. I think it was a, a dad who was pretty tough guy on the outside. And he, I think the title of it was, you don't know what I've done. And the parents hold so much shame about, oh, you're eating healthier. You're getting more active. This is all great. And so there's, there's a steep sense. This is just one example of, of shame that can be held. And so to, to put those role plays back together of, of body image, like I'm just, or putting, I, I'm all over the place with this. I can only imagine how supported that a parent would feel coming into that. And the emotion-focused work is a piece of that I'm hearing. Such an important piece. You mentioned Beth EFFT being one of your favorite modalities. So I attended my first training in the fall of 2019. And I, you know, initially I was like, oh, every clinician should attend this. And then I was like, every parent should learn about this. And then I was like, every human <laughs> should learn about this. I mean, it's so helpful in our relationships, even with ourselves, to be able to kind of validate and emotion coach ourselves. And such a, you know, a piece of the puzzle when it comes to FBT, for sure, because, you know, as a dietitian, we're not really included in the manualized model of FBT. In fact, when Jill and Dr. Vasihi went to the training, and I know that it was 2014 because I was pregnant with my second daughter, and I was like, Jill, what are you doing? They don't even include dietitians in this model. And now I'm like, oh, man, I wish I would have went to that training while they were still doing it live. But all that to say, you know, I think it's, it's such a paradigm shift from, you know, adolescent focused therapy and just sitting with, sitting with that adolescent each week, meeting with the parents. And for me, it was family work was always not really family work, but sitting with the parents was always a little intimidating when I worked in higher levels of care. And so to make the shift over to FBT is a bit of a learning curve, but I feel like the EFFT really like greases the wheels and kind of gets things going with FBT, gives parents a script. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, as dietitians, there's a certain piece of the work that we can do. And then there's a piece that we, you know, we delegate and we leave for the therapist, but there's, there's still a lot that we can help them develop scripts and, you know, we can introduce them to the concepts. And I'm just so thankful for the work because I feel like it has really made FBT much more accessible, less intimidating for families and clinicians. Randy, I was, you took the words right out of my mouth because I was going to say a lot of dietitians who listen to this say, where's my scope of practice? A lot of therapists say, you know, wait a second, stay in your lane here. And so when you said that to Jill, we also had Therese Waterhouse as a guest on the podcast a while back, and she was one of the first to show up at some of these trainings. And she, she experienced that and she's like, I'm a clinician. I'm a mother of a child who's going through this, who's better equipped to do this than myself? And so thank you for bringing that up, Brandy, about the dietitian's role. And I'm going to say to all of you dietitians, if you're going to do this work with eating disorders, you have to understand the emotion-focused background. You have to understand some of these modalities. We are not taking the therapist's job by any 
stretch of the imagination. But we have to understand how this affects us in the room, our emotions. And I think, was it you, Brandy, who said, I think every human should have this? It's you, if you are a parent, it's a great way to parent too. It's a great way to understand what might be happening in your own child. So I was going to add that the, that's the concept of the four weeks that we offer for parents is that the research shows that family-based treatment is most effective if a child gains about four pounds in a month. And so uh, 2.2 kilograms, basically. And so we want to make sure that the parents are well-equipped to help that happen. And so a team may begin working with the child and then refer the parent and or caregiver to our group. And our hopes are within those four weeks, we can, like Brandy said, get the, the, the wheels greased a little bit to move forward with family-based treatment, because we know that it, it tends to be most effective when, we, when you see that outcome of the weight restoration piece of it starting. So that's the, that's part of why we have that four week concept. And the two hours is enough time for parents to have some education that they may not be able to get fully or understand in individual sessions. And of course, the dietitian or therapist that they see individually may, may continue to, to add on to the information we provide, but at least it provides them enough in a more in a calm environment, hopefully, so that they can be more effective with these interventions. So that's a little bit of why we have the, the four-week model to it on top of it. So if someone listening wanted to refer the parents of a patient they have to this program, obviously it's only one program a month or per four weeks, would they have to apply within a certain amount of time? How quickly are you guys booking up? What are those kind of logistics like? I'll, I'll, this is Jillian, I'll answer that. So we have on our website, we have an application form and we want to make sure that the family feels like we're a good fit. And so they will apply. It's pretty detailed. And then we'll, we'll generally do, for lack of better words, a discovery call or, or, or short intake to kind of understand, you know, where they are. They, they need to be in a treatment team that, you know, the, the team knows family-based treatment or at least some of those concepts. So we can lead them in that direction if they need that. Or, you know, I have my own private practice, Brandy does, as well as Terry. So, you know, we can support them in that way, but we're really hoping to support the community more so that it's not just in our practices, but also, you know, within Houston, Texas to just nationally that when parents need this type of support and family-based treatment is being utilized, that the parents have us have their own support system as well. And I want to add is even if a child needs to go to higher level of care and at times, obviously they do, that the parents can continue to work while they're in higher level of care versus just, you know, sometimes they absolutely need a break from their child or they just, you know, it's emotionally, it's overwhelming for them, or it's just, we haven't, they haven't been able to get their weight up in time or they're medically unstable, for example, multiple reasons why they might need to go to higher, higher level of care. But we want them to have that transition home to be as effective as possible. And I know a lot of times with adolescents in particular, when they're, the parents aren't well-versed, and I know they, a lot of programs have you know weekends for parents, et cetera, but they may not be as well-versed on the meal plan or those concepts or not as included necessarily sometimes in higher level of care information. So we want to give them and empower them as much as we can. So when they get home, hopefully they're not you know, in a month or two. And I've, I've seen that happen where all of a sudden they have to go back into treatment because they've lost a considerable amount of weight. So it's not just for those doing family-based treatment, but it may also be for 
parents that their child is in higher level care and need additional support when their child comes home to transition back. I just wanted to add one thing. I think you were getting to this, Jill, but in in the spirit of providing more education for other clinicians in the community, we actually do provide a monthly free peer supervision group. And that would be open to, you know, it's virtual. So that would be open to anyone listening to this podcast and they can sign up for that on our website. So that's for professionals. Yes. And they, you can't, they can attend for free and ask questions, bring, see if their client may be, yeah, bring cases and Mm -hmm. also see if their client could benefit from something Mm -hmm. like this. Yes. We we have therapists, dietitians, and even some doctors. Thank you. And when you mentioned the doctors too, Jill, I, I, I know, Brandy, you're the one who mentioned the doctors, but Jill, that brings me back to your four-week model. And it, you, you've heard, everyone listening has heard Jill, if you knew that that was her talking or not, really re- talk about the evidence. evidence. And we know we need to get the brain back online nutritionally. And so the evidence is about a pound a week over a four-week period. So if if we're just spinning our wheels, then they may need to go to a higher level of care. But this is what that four week is based on, it sounds like, is that evidence base that like, let's just do some intensive work, see if we can do this in outpatient. That's what everybody wants to do. Um, Not everybody, I shouldn't say that. A lot of people want to, but also in my work with kids, they, the parents and the kids are so relieved when they actually they're scared about higher level of care, but can be so relieved because then they can just sleep at night. And this program can help prepare them to come home too. Great. I had another question. I feel like we're always trying to suggest resources to parents. So, you know, like sick enough is a classic one to suggest. Do y'all recommend any educational books for parents? So we actually use Wendy Sterling, Casey Crosby's book, How to Nourish Your Child Through an Eating Disorder. So I'll just kind of speak to the nutrition piece and let Dr. Vasihi speak from the therapeutic piece. And as you guys may be aware, they use a plate-by-plate approach, which I fell in love with when I learned about a few years ago. I love that approach. Now, keep in mind, I'm not the the kiddo's dietitian per se. So we teach plate by plate. As you know, it's very customizable with supplements and snacks and even ratios of plates and things like that. So, but it helps us to really set a foundation for, you know, kind of what plates should look like. Jill and I, we actually will even just virtually, we'll show plates, we'll show the 10 inch plate and, you know, what a proper breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks would look like which is really eye-opening for parents to see like, you know, how much nutrition is actually needed for weight restoration. But yeah, I I can't say enough about the book and the approach, the resources that they have, the, you know, Instagram page, the pictures of the plates. I'm such a visual person. So being able to see the plate and show that to parents rather than say this many grains, this many proteins has really, has really been career changing for me, to be honest. I'm a huge fan as well. I was able to to watch a webinar they did through the IADEP conference a couple years ago, and 
just to hear the conversation, to see the pictures. I'm a visual person also. And there's so many different meal planning type models for eating disorders. But when you mentioned, Brandy, the, you know, numbers of servings of whatever and serving sizes, it gets to be so much math. And we're trying to really step back from that. So the plate, if you don't know about plate by plate, Abby, we're going to have to make sure to have those authors, Wendy, on the podcast because we need people to know about it. Their Instagram is great. I feel like I always refer people to it. I don't know if they actually use it or not, but it is a helpful Instagram. Terry, did you want to mention any? Oh, um, yes. Well, one really good book is Dr. Adele LaFrance's book, What to Say to Kids When Nothing Seems to Work. That's a wonderful book. There it is. So we, we use that a lot in the workshop and it gives, you know, if they can read it in addition, it really deepens their skills and it's very validating to parents. So I, I I recommend that one as well. I'm not familiar with that one. So I have to put it to on my list, my little library, my office is growing immensely. Oh, Brandy has all the books she's showing us. <laughs> I, I wanted to make a plug for our website too. We, this is Jill, uh, uh, com. We have a resources page that Dr. Psyche had us upload multiple actual research articles on family-based treatment, on multifamily group approach, those types of things. So it's of course meant for you know, caregivers to review to see like this is actually a legitimate intervention. And again, like Dr. Pasihi said, it's the first line. It's our gold standard of how we need to be approaching adolescent clients, clients that are adolescent, 19 and younger. The articles are excellent. So they're very, you know, they're new. And I think we have at least seven or eight on there. And we have other multiple resources too that parents can have. And then when they come into the group, I also want to add that part of our programming is a ton of resources for the parents to come home on. So they, they'll, they'll have a lot of resources to take home with them and have access to. And so that can be a challenge as of where to look, because, you know, when you type in eating disorders, it's, you know, going to pull up whatever's being advertised versus really what's really helpful for parents. So that's what we really tried to compile as part of our programming to kind of just condense it all in one area. So they may not be able to absorb it in that four week time period, but they have access to it and feel confident that what they're getting is very legitimate and and accurate to what their needs are. Awesome. We'll make sure and include the link to your website in the show notes. So Dr. Fasihi and Brandy, I have a wrap up question for each of you, but Dr. Fasihi, I'll start with you. So if you were to take yourself back to entering the field of eating disorders what do you wish you would have known then that you do know now? Kind of a loaded one. <laughs> well, I was introduced to the Mosley approach early on, but I don't think I realized how powerful it is and how much I should prioritize it until many years later. So I wish I'd known what I know now about the value of the treatment. Great question, Abby. You know, I think whenever we finish up, you know, our undergrad and then our graduate degree and internship, there's this kind of thought of like, I've made it. I've learned all the things I need to learn. So I think, you know, really understanding that like, this is a lifelong learning process, this, you know, this career that we've chosen. And like Dr. Fitzy, he said, you know, I, I wish that I would have, you know, really used FBT sooner in my career as well. As I mentioned earlier, when they were going to the training eight years ago, I, I kind of joked with Jill about it. But yeah, definitely that just concept of lifelong learning throughout the career. And, you know, we're learning so much about eating disorders all the time. So it's really exciting. 
you know, seem overwhelming sometimes, but it's also really exciting. The theme of our podcast, Brandy just like nailed it, <laughs> is uh, you don't have to know everything. You're not going to know everything. You you never really arrive. And it really is a lifelong learning kind of thing. But But get in there and do the work because we need you as a professional in this field. Anything you want to add, Jill or Terry, as we wrap up? Uh, make sure you get supervision. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> so bad. That so you know whether you're not getting certified or not. Yes, I encourage anyone to have supervision. And you know, I do my residency and my program. I, I'll do supervision up to two or three times a week, plus group supervision. Brandy helps us out in my practice as well. So you know, one time a month is probably not going to uh, do it for most people. Even and I, I still get supervision once a month as well. I'm a pretty seasoned clinician. So individually, so I just always encourage that if you, I know it's, it can be expensive, but you know, we have our free PSG program that we offer here and there's a lot of resources out there that you can get. And we, we even have in Houston, our own, you know, group that we, we have once a month too. So I don't know. I'm still getting supervision actually three or four times a, a month now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the free so anyway. PSG? Can you say something about that real quick? Yeah, that's what Brandy mentioned earlier. If you go to our website for under clinicians, you can sign up for our PSG group that's offered once a month. Oh. And we focus on family-based treatment concepts as well as emotion coaching, family therapy concepts as well. And it's a multidisciplinary group. So doctors, psychologists, therapists, social workers, and dietitians all attend. And we not everyone attends every month, but you know, it's a, a lively group and we get a lot of information out of there. So I hope you can maybe check it out and see what you think. Awesome. Thank you all for joining us today. Let's lean on each other and learn from each other so we can grow together as professionals in this field of eating disorders. If you want to connect with me for supervision or membership with monthly content, please find me at bethharrell.com professionals.